the offside rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borsay. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of 29. It's the final offside rule podcast. We get it of the 2012-13 season. I think we can call this Kate Borsay a season finale and it's just you and I today. It is the gruesome twosome. We're back in a very small room in a very large building without Hayley McQueen recording in secret as ever. Hayley McQueen by the way in Miami. She's gone back. She must have liked it there. The sunshine. Don't blame her. I don't at all and I'm off to get my sunshine in a few days myself. I can't wait. I'm going to be flying out to some desert island somewhere. We're all after this break, but before we get there, we have got one more podcast to do, so don't get your head spinning out to Bali just yet, Kate. Uh, I've got to talk about season sizzlers. So topic number one, we're going to look back on the football season, who have been your three favourite players in the Premier League and why. Uh, Topic number two this week is, who's the offside rules footballing Mystic Meg? Um, Going back over old podcasts, we made many predictions throughout the season uh, for all the leagues of who would finish where. Um, Kate, as kindly how long did this take you you've got all the details of everyone's predictions for the last I don't know how many podcasts it didn't take me long because I fastidiously make a note of everything as everyone knows Uh, and luckily it's paid dividends today (laughs) of course she does (laughs) of course she does Uh, very organised Kate Borsay we'll have an FAWSL roundup we'll also have memory bank moments Mm. for topic three Uh, this is going to be slightly light and amusing but some actual serious moments as well because there have been many memorable things that have happened in the 2012-13 season and we want a mix of the weird and the wonderful so we've said three season highlights but looking at Kate Borsay's page and mine (laughs) it's going to be more than that each but we've said be it a match an incident a transfer anything at all uh, we want it forever lodged in our footballing brain under the draw 2012-13 thank you Uh, so we'll talk that we'll have Twitter topic of the week and for a special this week uh, just to round off everything from our foreign experts uh, we'll have Russian Premier League and Serie A all rounded up for the end of the season before we bid you farewell. Um, But let's begin with a little chat of a few things that have happened the last seven days. And I'm going to hand over the microphone to Kate because I think I should actually pitch in here with what I was up to on Saturday. We should welcome our studio audience as well on uh, today's show who've joined us for this final recording of the season of The Offside Rule. It is handy to find some sound effects on your iPhone, isn't it, Kate? (laughs) Don't, don't press the fart one. <laughs> we need to talk about the Champions League final, Lindsay Hooper. I was at a wedding, I couldn't make it, but you got yourself some very good tickets and I know enjoyed an absolutely barnstorming Saturday night. Well, very generously, I got given tickets, uh, a pair of tickets to the Champions League men's final. Now, as you may remember, we might come on to this in topic two. From the very beginning, I tipped Bayern Munich <laughs> to win the Champions League. She just can't stop herself, can she? <laughs> well, someone in the office here as well uh, went for Borussia Dortmund he, he actually gets in touch with the podcast quite a lot Mark Hurst he owes me coffee and a muffin because he went for Borussia I went for FC Bayern and originally I thought I would love to see whether this all pans out as I predicted whether I would see it with my own very own eyes um, remained to be seen but I put a couple of a couple of feelers out there if anyone knew of any tickets very generously someone came up top trumps now there I was thinking I'm going to get two tickets just standard tickets Oh no, these tickets get couriered over to me and open them up and it becomes quite evident these are VVIP. So very, very important people. (laughs) Which is exactly where you belong, of Um, course, Lindsay. I don't think quite. (laughs) Um, And because Simona Felsberger is our our Bundesliga um, correspondent and happens to be one of the biggest Bayern fans going, I thought I could not offer the ticket to anyone else apart from her. So I gave her a call and she drove. uh, She drove (laughs) for 10, 11, 12 hours to come and uh, see the game. Must have been an Audi. (laughs) A BMW, I think. Um, But we... We actually, we had the time of our lives. We got there. I think she thinks I'm very important now, because, <laughs> and I'm not. Uh, but looking around, there was Alex Ferguson, there was Arsene Wenger, Michelle Platini, Sepp Blatter, uh, Boris Johnson. I had a good chat with the London mayor. Um, Will Smith and his children. You know who was meant to be in the seat next to me watching this game? He didn't turn up. I'm gutted. Bradley Cooper 
was meant to be sat next to me. Can I just say boo to Bradley Cooper for just totally snubbing the men's Champions League final? What a cheek. I know. And well, I'm quite quite grateful because I don't think I'd have concentrated very much on the match <laughs> had he been next to me with those lovely blue eyes. Um, but anyway, it was just so fantastic. It had such good food and drink and the champagne was flowing and got to manage to watch the match, which Bayern won, which of course Simona was ecstatic. We saw the trophy lift and we had great view. I thought that you were going to drop in again there, which of course I predicted, which you've mentioned three times already. <laughs> well, I'm just preempting that I might have slipped up in other areas. So I'm just trying to get an extra bonus point when we come to reflecting on our predictions for the season. Um, but oh, yeah, I just have to say a big thank you to the person that sorted me out with the tickets. They know who they are and they were absolutely brilliant to me. Um, it was singly one of the, the best moments of my last 12 months. And I never, ever thought that I would be in such esteemed company watching uh, the Champions League final and uh, yes it was all German but history was made at Wembley this year and it was great to be there seeing it with my own eyes and and I have to say as well the pre-match build-up was fantastic and the the German fans were all in in really Mm. good humour and and really excited to be there so it was great and only this morning I watched um, a flash mob that Puma had done so that when Borussia Dortmund got to the airport, they all did this flash mob dance oh. for all the players to see them off at the airport. And that was really lovely too. I mean, it's just brilliant, really good. I was heading to a wedding just off the Strand in central London and all I could see were yellow shirts, the yellow shirts of Borussia Dortmund, it seemed to me. I know that there were hundreds of thousands of German fans who'd come over from, from both sides to support their team. And of course, they were obviously hanging out in large areas of central London to show their support. But I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought it was. Did Boris mention Whiff waff at all, by the way. I just, I just, I just wondered how Boris's whiff waff sort of stood up against the men's Champions League final. <laughs> he didn't actually. He didn't mention whiff waff, but he did mention that he just supports any London team having his London mayoral cap on. <laughs> Of course. I have to say as well that we'll put some photos on the Facebook page. I'm sure Simona won't mind me sharing a couple of her looking ecstatic as well. Um, So we'll put a couple on just so people can see us in our full glory watching the match, but some great pictures that we managed to get. On next, though, to the Women's FA Cup final, which was on Mm. Sunday, um, Arsenal versus Bristol Academy. And having watched Bristol Academy, they've been so good this season. Arsenal, slight stutter in the league, but you do think their experience will prevail. And it did in the end. I mean, 3-0, Rachel Yankee with a great cross to set up Steph Horton for her first, the first goal in the first few minutes. And that really got them on the way. Uh, We actually met up with Rachel, didn't we? Because we were at an AFCAR event. Mm -hmm. You explain this because you got the tickets for us. Yeah, it was the first ever AFCAR. It was the Friends of Africa versus the Friends of the Caribbean, all in aid of a great cause. Um, Jason Roberts and um, one of the Sodji clan uh, setting it up very well supported. We got some great interviews and actually throughout the podcast today, you'll be able to hear our various interviews telling us about their highlights of the season and if they're an ex-player then they're going to be telling us about one of their clubs. So we'll have those scattered throughout the podcast but we'll start off by speaking to Rachel because she actually gave us her thoughts on the FA Cup that Arsenal won. We started off well, we wanted to go out and attack them and, and, and sort of catch them quite early on which uh, which we did, yeah, crossed it in and, and Steph with a great header at the back post so very good. Very early goal as well. Yeah. Um, First silverware of the season, good to have it because I mean, lots of people have just been debating whether you were going to get off the mark this season in terms of getting trophies. Of course, yeah, there's been a lot of people questioning us, and um, you know, we never doubted ourselves and we knew how how, how good we are and when we when we play but you know we, we also know that we've had so many games this season that it's been tough and you know our pre-season first game back was a Champions League um, quarter final you know so uh, you know it's been tough all the way through and people have picked up injuries but we knew that we, this would be a good game for us and we, we had to win. And we'll hear from Rachel again when we do our FAWSL roundup a bit later. Uh, let's also just quickly to round up everything that happened this week we can't go without talking about the Championship playoff final a 120 million pound game isn't that crazy and it was an all London affair Watford versus Crystal Palace who were you gunning for? I was gunning for Crystal Palace and might I say that I predicted Crystal Palace would go up in mid-January thank you (laughs) she's got one in there very much indeed
<laughs> Brilliant. I'm loving the sound effects for this podcast. Um, so what did you think of the game? I thought Ian Holloway, I thought Crystal Palace deserved the win. Yeah, um, there were the spells of the game where they were easily the better mm-hmm. side. I don't quite know what happened to Watford. They seem to have gone down a couple of gears from the last time I saw them and mm-hmm. witnessed them play. Um, and a loss to see Vidra go off and maybe that was yeah. part of the problem. Yeah. But overall, I thought the, the right team went, went mm-hmm. up. But it wasn't the most thrilling of championship playoff finals. But they never are because there's so much at, so stake. Much at stake. Yeah, very, very much so. Was so pleased for Kevin Phillips. Came on as a super sub and he's always a great bet of mine if you want someone to come on and do the business. And he scored against the club where he first became a, a professional footballer nearly two decades oh, ago. Wow. So what a wonderful story for him. Uh, we know that Zaha lured Cassetti into the area and of course then Cassetti fouled Zaha. Kevin Phillips said that he knew he was going to score it and he was a fresh pair of legs as well uh, and uh, t- stood up, took the penalty and scored to take Palace through to the Premier League next season. Some say it's 138 million, some say it's 120 million. Schmiegel Beagle, who knows? It's a lot of money and they need to use it wisely. It's a lot of money and congratulations to Crystal Palace from the Offside Rule podcast for getting that final place in the top flight for next season. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher and I love the Offside Rule podcast. Hi, I'm Sir Regis and I used to play for West Brom in the, in the late 70s and 80s. And what have you made of West Brom's 2012-13 season? I think they've done very, very well. Um, everyone looked at it as a big risk getting uh, Steve Clark to his managers, uh, but I think he's done a great job. It uh, started off very well. I think people thought that uh, they would equal the, 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 the exploits that we'd done in the 70s, but uh, they tailed off, which just shows you they needed a, a stronger squad. But all in all, it's another year in the Premiership, of quite comfortable. Uh, great acquisition in Lukaku, he's done a fantastic job for us and I think next year we're very sad that we didn't get him back but uh, he may be gone on to different pastures but uh, Albion have always done well and uh, we're looking for more of the same for next year. Hi I'm DJ Campbell and um, um, had a good first half of the season um, but unfortunately got injured, broke my fifth metatarsal so just trying to re- repair that and, and get fit for next year now for pre-season. What are your movements for next season? I'm not sure yet, I'm just waiting and seeing, obviously, um, as I said, just concentrating 100% on my um, getting fit. I was hope, hoping to get fit for the game today, for the African-Caribbean game, um, but fortunately it didn't happen. But um, yeah, just trying to get ready for pre-season in a, in a month or two and then uh, take it from there, really. And what are your thoughts on QPR getting relegated? Yeah, very disappointing, obviously, being a fan. Um, obviously it hurts you know, me as much as it hurts you know, normal, the normal fans, but... Um, Hopefully, you know, we keep the players and maybe add a few more players and keep the manager and, you know, bounce straight back up, hopefully. My name's Michael Johnson from Birmingham City. The season's been one of interest after a difficult start and we looked like we was going to get relegated around about Christmas, New Year time. And then all of a sudden, Lee Clark, I thought he did really, really well. He brought in some really cute signings, Ravel Morrison, a um, boy, boy named Caddis from Swindon. What really regalvanised the club and Nathan Redmond stepped up to the plate. And I thought between Nathan Redmond and um, Ravel Morrison, I thought they was instrumental in us staying up. But obviously it's still one a bit of worry for us because we don't know what's going to happen over the closing um, season now. We've got no money at the club. Obviously we, the, the, the chairman's still in, in, in China, he's on house arrest. So we need that situation to get resolved and hopefully now somebody might come in and buy their club and obviously buy new signings which will help us get back to where we should be. So on to topic one, season sizzlers. This is just what we need to do, isn't it? Three of our favourite players from the entire season. Makes sense, Kate Borsay. Uh, so let's look back on the 2012-13 season. Who have been your three favourite players in the Premier League? We're going to keep it Premier League focused. Mm-hmm. And why? My first one, I'm going to go for Marouan Fellaini. Now, of course, he's been at Everton a little while. After years of promise, he finally came good this season. Playing uh, in a central midfield position, he's sometimes plays that defensive role but really in the central role he's much much stronger often playing in more advanced positions as well he had that really good display didn't he against Manchester United early on in the season that sent him up to the higher echelons of player respect for me and he stayed there for the rest of the season him with the wild hair getting his head on the ball plenty of times Uh, the Belgian looked absolutely brilliant Um, physical dominance flair I thought he was Absolutely excellent. A lockdown the midfield for Everton definitely gets one of my votes. My second Premier League player of the season goes to Christian Benteke. Power work rate. He's clever as well, isn't he? Good choice. Good choice. Very clever. 
I know this was one of yours as well, a cool finisher to um, another Belgian, isn't wow. he? Another Belgian. I've gone really Belgian heavy, actually, thinking about it. A really an inspired signing, £7 million. Uh, he's signed uh, for Aston Villa, turned 22 in December. So such maturity and composure for someone so young and in his debut season. Yeah, when I was thinking about having him and when I found out that you'd chosen him, I've obviously gone someone else, but I had put promise by his name and value for money. Mm. And those were the two things that I just mm. thought stood out about his season. If we were rating people with like five five stars or the number of stars for each particular thing, a bit like they do on some travel travel websites, we'd, we'd give him five star for value. Trip advisor. <laughs> we'd, do our, we'd do five star for value, wouldn't we? And then we'd do, we'd, we'd do five star for, for a promise, potential. Um, scored over th- uh, 20 goals this season. Uh, I don't need to say any more about him as well. Uh, he really picked the Aston Villa team up and that was a team who were faltering and dragging and sluggish throughout much of the season. And if we're going to go with that theme of holiday ratings, I think going on to your next player, we're talking an all-inclusive here. (laughs) (laughs) We are indeed the all-inclusive player. Five stars for all-inclusive. Let me give you a little little sound effect for this one. What what on earth is that? It's a drum roll. (laughs) Juan Mata gets my overall vote for player of the season. (laughs) If that was a drum roll, try that again. Was that a drum roll? Hang on. Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Just to be sure, uh, Juan Mata gets my overall vote for player of the season. He's only 25, yet he plays with someone. His all-round game uh, really uh, says to me maturity, experience, um, controlled and conjured. With He's just so delightful to watch and so regularly consistent and so regularly put in those really good performances. He settled many of the Chelsea matches this season. If we take a look at some of his stats, uh, scored 20 goals for the season, had a hand in 33 assists. That means he was directly involved in 50 53 goals for his club, which must be well over a third, I think, of all of Chelsea's goals. You've got to bear in mind as well that Matt has played 1,555 games this season. He's played a lot of games indeed, hasn't he? If you look at Gareth Bale, 52 appearances this season, RVP 53, 66 appearances is what uh, Juan Mata has clocked up. I think he's only missed about five of Chelsea's games, you know, scoring in some crucial games. That included a goal in the final game of the season against Everton that help them clinch fourth place. Okay, well, I will go with number one, Frank Lampard. 22 goals in 55 appearances and breaking Bobby Tumbling's record. Um, I mean, it was just amazing to see and what a season he's had at Chelsea. It started as well at the beginning of the season with real question marks over whether he would be offered another extension at the club despite the years of service. But for me, he's been one of the best players in that squad this season. Uh, despite his goals, he, he was just part and parcel of everything that was going on in that side this year. Um, Ashley Cole got offered the contract extension earlier on and it just seemed that there's this big question mark over Lampard. Thank goodness he's been given a next season and really any critics or any doubters, Mm. he just put them to bed, didn't he, with his performances this season. So he was definitely one of my players um, of 2012-13. On next to Gareth Bale, I have to say, how could we talk about this season without talking about him? I mean, he will over the summer be the subject of much transfer rumours. Whether he'll stay at Spurs remains to be seen. I hope he does. But the big guns are going to come in for him. Real Madrid, PSG with the money. I'm not saying they're a big gun in Europe, but Barcelona even. Um, I can see that there's going to be a real scramble on Daniel Levy's hands to try and keep him at the club. But he's done it before. He's done it with bigger players before. And I'm sure he'll try and do it with Gareth Bale this time. Still so young. And for me, the two highlights, the two goals of the many goals he's scored this season were his goals against Swansea and Norwich. I mean, they were breathtaking. Mm. Um, This is a guy that has just got the world at his feet when it comes to football. The price tag on his neck, what do we say? I mean, I I think we're coming towards a £100 million player, would you say? I don't know whether I would lumber him with being a £100 million player because I think the reason why I haven't directly gone for him, and of course I know he is undoubtedly one of the Premier League players of the season, is that I think the best 
is yet to come from Gareth Bale. In terms of his worth, you'd have to look at his contract length, etc. And I know the big guns are sniffing around him. Daniel Levy obviously held on to Luka Modric, but he lost him the next season. And you know, I can't say that, that uh, Modric had his best season once people had started sniffing around him. I really want Gareth Bale to stay on his feet more. I want him to mature slightly with that aspect of his game. And then I think we may see something truly exceptional from him. I'm going to go for another prolific goal scorer from this season. Goes against my grain a little bit because I always like to pick out the unsung heroes in mm. squads. But I am going to go for Michu from Swansea. Number one, Swansea have been the team that I've enjoyed so much this season watching. Um, and it's partly been down to him. He's 22 goals in 43 appearances. And he started off on, on a great footing, didn't he, with a brace against QPR in the opening game of the yeah. season. And yeah. it really went from there. Yeah. So Michu, Gareth Bale and Frank Lampard. And I believe, Kate, you have some from Haley that she's mailed us from Miami. She certainly has, yeah. Now, we know Hayley is a big Manchester United fan and she's been singing this chap's praises all season. He's never out of her fantasy football team and that's Michael Carrick. She says, for being just brilliant, finally getting the recognition he deserves. I know he won the Manchester United uh, Players Player of the Season as well. Uh, she says, this is not some breakthrough season. He's been quietly and effectively going about his business in this manner for many seasons. It's just taken a while, strangely, for him to be truly appreciated. Classy Carrick is what she says. She also gives us matter for being Mr. Consistent and a pocket rocket. Let's give a shout to a centre-back as well, Jan Vertonghen for Spurs, first season in the Premier League. Six goals, he's useful at the back, the epitome really of the modern centre-back pace and quickness and he really cleverly marks skillful players. Scored six goals, so as useful at uh, the other end of the pitch as he is in his centre-back position. Um, scored that wonderful goal at Old, at Old Trafford, a brace against uh, Liverpool at Anfield as well was the Barclays Player of the Month for March. So Jan Vertonghen gets a nod uh, from us too in our 2012-13 Premier League Player of the Season. Hi, I'm Matt Letissier and you're listening to The Offside Rule, three girls talking about football. Hi, I'm Alex Scott. I play for Arsenal Ladies. I also support Arsenal men's team. So with the men's team, what have you made of their season 2012-13? Do you know what? I think it's got to be a successful season for us. You know, people write us off at the start of the season with the team that we've got, but we managed to scrape in fourth place and secure Champions League for next season. So that's a real positive. And what are your hopes for next season? Sign a few players, a few experienced players, and, you know, hopefully we've got to be looking at lifting a trophy. It's been far too long now. I am Jason Newell, ex-Charlton, Wimbledon, Blackpool, Doncaster, Middlesbrough, Southampton, um, AFC Wimbledon as well. (laughs) (laughs) The list goes on. We're going to concentrate on Charlton, if that's okay. Yes, fine, yeah. Uh, Let's go with Charlton. First season back in the Championship, uh, mid-table finish in the end. A really sturdy sturdy finish for them. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, everyone sees it as a team that comes up from League One, always going to be favourites to get to get relegated but for us it was more about sustaining our status this year when we had a bit of an indifferent season especially at home not winning as many games as we like to but I think we more or less finished up with one of the best away records in the league and if that was going to be the thing that kept us up in the league and we'll be happy with that disappointed we didn't win as many games at home as we like to but after the Millwall game when we lost 3-0 at home there's a lot of a lot of bad things being said towards the players and the, and the management of of how he'd been doing things. But from then, we went to the end of the season unbeaten. I think it wasn't finishing in ninth position, which is a good season for us. And we're more than happy now with that and to look to build for next year. What are you expecting for next season? For us to um, to build on what we've got. I think from when um, Chris came in originally, there was myself included, sort of 19 new signings. Everyone was thinking, oh, will it work? Will it won't, will it won't work? And it did in the first year and what we did last year was we improved on, on that squad and now it's again of having the core that we've got and building again. Hi, Ibrahim Asonko. I've been playing in Turkey this year. It's been going well actually, you know, uh, for a long time, um, for, for, for the first time in two years I played 30 games in a row so I'm just over the moon. How does the Turkish style of football suit your game? Um, it's slightly slower than the English game, you know. I'm not saying I'm going, getting slow, but like uh, it's more technical and everything. So it reminds me a bit of like the French way of playing. And because I'm, I've been uh, based in France for a long time before I come to England, so it's, it's a bit more suitable for me. Let's talk about one of your ex-clubs, Reading. Uh, sum up your thoughts on their season. Yeah, I mean, I follow them over Twitter, you know, and text the boys. Few of the boys are still to pick to um, a lot. Um, I think they had the up and downs, you know, um, they needed to be probably a bit stronger um, stronger at some point in the league, you know, but um, 
they were just too short, you know, maybe, you know, um, the champion team, championship team went up, you know, needed to be changed slightly for Reading to be able to, uh, to, to stay in a super, you know, super league, sorry, to the premiership. But um, overall, I think it was a great experience for some of the boys, you know, I think uh, they, uh, they tested it now and they were going to be uh, more, more likely to uh, try to go back up straight away. Next up, the one that I've been waiting for. Yes, I might have gloated about predicting the Champions League final winner a long time ago, um, but I'm going to try and remain reserved. I, I think there's other areas where I've really let myself down, actually. So we're going to see over the season how it's gone. We're asking now, who's the offside rules footballing mystic Meg? Is it Lindsay? Is it Hayley? Is it Kate? Now, to set up this, over the course of the offside rule podcast this season, we've made predictions, bold ones sometimes, um, throughout many, many episodes. Uh, Kate has made a note of these because, of course, she is that organised. Um, and if anyone has ever stepped in for any one of us, so if I've been away when Faye has potentially stepped in and other people, or Hayley's been away and we've had Natalie Sawyer on board, then they score the points for the person that was missing. Is everybody clear? Yes, <laughs> I'm glad. So what we're doing is we're going back over old podcasts for the many predictions that we've made throughout the season and who really is the 2012-13 footballing Mystic Meg out of us three girls. We're going to start with podcast 10. This is when we made our first predictions mm. back in mid-January and we talked about the championship ups and downs. So in terms of ups and promotion, we had to predict who would go up via automatic places and who through the playoffs. Now, if we've predicted the right team, we get a point, mm. but if we're sp- Spot on by saying automatic mm-hmm. or through playoffs and we say that, then we get an extra bonus. You also get a bonus if you said something particularly pointed, intelligent or just damn right that needs bragging about, basically. So we'll start with the promotion race. And in the end, it was Cardiff City and Hull City who went up through the automatic places. And as we've now alluded to at the start of this podcast, Crystal Palace, mm. the team that went up through the playoffs. So did anyone get that right? Well, looking at Kate's predictions, Kate, you did very well here. You got Cardiff Hull and Crystal Palace mm. in terms of mentions. You just got them slightly off kilt because you said Hull via the playoffs mm. and Crystal Palace you thought would get automatic. But that means you get three points. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely sound effect. <laughs> I'm going to leave you doing those as we go through. So Kate gets three for the championship promotion. Um, Hayley gets two because she said Cardiff automatic and she also said Hull. Um, but she didn't say through the automatic places for Hull. She just said um, Middlesbrough for that. So she gets a promotion for Hull but not through the automatic places you are an idiot don't say you're an idiot to Hayley McQueen she's <laughs> going to come back from Miami and get you um, and I said so that was two points for Hayley by the way and Cardiff I said through automatic I actually tipped Leicester automatic I don't even remember doing that now and I said Hull so I said Hull via the playoffs but Hull of course went up through the automatic places so I get two points as well so you're actually leading that one Kate Ball say fantastic <laughs> do we get a sound effect for that for you Ka-ching! In terms of relegation, it was in fact... Oh, my life, I can't believe we're going to have to go over this. Peterborough United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, and Bristol City, who went down. Um, Nobody tipped Wolves. Who would have done that? Um, Anyway... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Um, so we'll go with Kate. Kate, you get one point because you said Bristol City to go down out of the ones that you tipped, but you didn't get any of the others. Haley also gets one point. She said Bristol City, but didn't get any of the others. And I get two points because I said Bristol City and I said Peterborough to go down. Hell yeah, put two down on Lindsay's list. Uh, We next go on to pod 14. Um, This was in mid-February and we were talking about Premier League relegation back then. Now, we did come back to this topic a little bit nearer the time. Um, So let's go with this one. So Premier League relegation, as if you need reminding, in the end it was Wigan Athletic, Reading and Queen's Park Rangers who went down. I'm happy to say we all finish with three points. Put three points down for all of us. Because I said QPR, Wigan, Reading... And Hayley did the same. And you said two of the three. You said QPR and Wigan. But you also get a bonus, Kate, because you said QPR will go down with a good few games to go before the end of the season. So we're giving you a bonus there. Um, So well done on that one. Uh, So that was three each. And then at the beginning of April, podcast 21, we went on to League One and League Two, promotion and relegation fights. So we're starting with League One promotion. This is what actually happened. Doncaster Rovers and Bournemouth went up automatically. 
automatically. Yeovil Town <laughs> went up through the playoffs. So this could be where I score. Doncaster were tipped for promotion by all of us. So we all get a point for Doncaster. Kate and Nat, which equates to Hayley, uh, both tipped uh, Bournemouth for automatic promotion. So you get an extra point there. And I tipped Yeovil to go up via the playoffs. Yes, I even said that. So apparently I get a bonus there. So I get three points for this one and you both get two points each. On to League One relegation. Four teams go down in League One. Scunthorpe United, Bury, Hartlepool United and Portsmouth in the end. I can tell you that it was actually Natalie Sawyer who stepped in for mm. Hayley who got the most points here. She was bang on, Natalie. Bang on. Ooh, um, four points you can put to Haley's name, courtesy of Nat. And we both get three each. Uh, we all tipped um, Hartlepool, Berry, and Portsmouth for relegation, but it was Nat who went for Scunthorpe on behalf of Haley McQueen. League Two promotion next. It was Gillingham, Rotherham United and Port Vale who all went up. Uh, this is how it played out in terms of our predictions. Um, I've scored quite a few points on this one. Bradford City as well going up through the playoffs, which was a big shout from me. I can't, this was a big shout. I just, I had a feeling in my bones back then um, because Bradford were doing so well in the cup, I thought they'd recover and they did. So um, in terms of points, Nat was filling in once more on this podcast for Hayley. She got two points for Hayley McQueen if you put those down. Um, and then Kate, you got two points as well. I think it was basically because you both tipped Gillingham and Port Vale for mm -hmm. automatic. Um, I got those two points as well for tipping Gillingham and Port Vale, but I also get an extra two points because I tipped Bradford for promotion. And yes, I said via the playoffs. So that's four points for me. <laughs> A train horn. Brilliant. Have you put my four points down, Kate? Because she's too busy. She's too busy concentrating on the sound effects. So you've got four points, have you? An extra four for that oh, one, yeah. Dearie me. One, two, three... <laughs> Four. Uh, League Two relegation, I have to say, we made predictions here, but there were just four points separating the bottom eight teams at the time. And there were only 11 points separating mid-table Bristol Rovers from the bottom of the pile, Aldershot, when we made our predictions. So it was a really difficult one to score any points. In the end, Barnet and Aldershot were relegated and only Nat got any points out of that one. She tipped Aldershot, so she gets a point for Hayley McQueen. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. <laughs> Um, we go she on. Gets what? She gets one point. Gets one point. That's it. Yeah, just one point. Uh, two more to go. Keep with us, listeners. Uh, Podcast 23, mid-April. Um, it was Euro success. And Faye was a substitute for me when I was away, but she knew what my tip was. She knew that I'd tip Bayern Munich, so thankfully she said it. And I did tip them from the start. And I'm going to argue my case here to get two points, although Kate's looking like I should only get one. But I did tip Bayern Munich to win the Champions League. Kate went for Benfica and Hayley went for Real Madrid. So did we say that I get a bonus? Because I tipped that very early sorry. on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry? I'm sorry. Is that because I've got too many points already? You've only got one point now. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, one point, I'll take that. I'm still going to win. So with one round to go, with one round to go, I can give you our scores here. Lindsay, you're on 18 points. Hayley McQueen, with Natalie helping her, is on 17 points. And I'm on 16 points. We have one round to go, folks, which is all about crunch time in the Premier League. Crunch time in the Premier League. This was podcast 24. I didn't know it was that close, actually. I thought it was out in front by a good couple of points. Maybe I won't win. Um, Premier League positions. We Everyone thought that City would stay second, but we were trying to predict third and fourth in the Premier League. So who would get the Champions League places? So nobody predicted it exactly in the order, but you get a point if you get the right team. So Hayley said Spurs and Chelsea. Spurs didn't finish in the top um, top four so that she gets one point for Chelsea I did say Arsenal and Chelsea so I get two points yeah! um, but I said third fourth I got it the wrong way round I said Arsenal had finished third and Kate you said Arsenal Spurs so you only get one point because you said Spurs you ugly <laughs> I don't think that's quite appropriate, Kate Bosse. Uh, one point for you. And then in the relegation, uh, we did readdress this. QPR and Reading were nailed on by that point, but we thought we actually, in the final berth, thought we'd go for the final team. And Haley and myself both went for Wigan. We both get a point each. And Kate Bosse, you went for Stoke, mm. but they survived. Mm. 
And that's it. So can we have our overall totals and we'll find out who is the footballing mystic Meg of the Offside Rule podcast. And the totals come in as followed. In third place with 17 points, Kate Borsay. <laughs> Another boo. Hayley in second place with 19 points. With a bit of help from Natalie Sawyer there. Mm. Um, and myself on 21 points. So I actually won this I'm the Mystic Meg that is the sound of Lindsay's very large head combusting from all the glory she's been seeking all season it actually wasn't as much as I thought though I thought I'd got a few points ahead of everybody else but in the end it came down to two I was four ahead of you though Kate yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, we'll move on and we'll go for an FAWSL chat. A little bit different this week because we caught up with Rachel Yankee at the AFCAR event. But we'll start, first of all, um, because we had the Women's Champions League final last week, Enia Luko joining us. We just wanted to do a bit of a thank you, really, didn't we, mm. to Pitch PR, who helped us out with that. And we had such a good time. And we spoke to so many people since who enjoyed the Women's Champions League final um, and enjoyed the podcast that we put out. So thank you very much to everyone involved. Rob Marshall as well for doing the video. Hopefully people have been on our YouTube page we recreated to see a visual behind the scenes of what goes on with the with the Offside Rule podcast. Absolutely, yeah. So thank you to everyone involved in that one. And you had a quick catch up with Rachel, didn't you, about the Women's Champions League final. She was there in the stands watching at the Champions League final. Yeah, it was good, but it was, you know, so, so disappointing because it was like one of them ones that you feel like you kicked yourself because, uh, you know, we, we should have done better. We should have got to that final. But I was happy that, that Wolfsburg won. Um, I think you could kind of see it. Leon had the better of the game and, and it just kept looking like Wolfsburg were going to nick it and uh, you know they did they got the penalty they took it well and you know fair play to them congratulations as well for them to win thanks very much to Rachel Yankee and by the way she held her own with all the boys at the AFCAR game didn't she she certainly did she looked very very sparky Alex Scott also great in that game and RNE as well put in a great performance yes it was great to see them performing on par with the boys and if we say actually they had the edge really didn't they I think so they looked remarkably sprightly Considering Rachel had played in the Women's FA Cup final the day before, she looked more hungry, as did Alex and Annie. They looked more on it and more hungry against the ex-pros, the big names there. Uh, we had many, many big stars uh, of uh, Africa and the Caribbean, and I thought the girls did exceptionally well. Well, it just remains for me to say that I'm actually off. This podcast is being recorded prior to me going up to see the Liverpool-Lincoln game, but we could have new league leaders because Birmingham are playing Chelsea ladies as well, so mm. Chelsea could go back to the top of the the league, although there's a lot of difference between how many games have been played in the FAWSL at the moment. Um, but we'll do a, another roundup of FAWSL when the Offside Rule podcast returns, um, which will hopefully be the start of the next season. We'll come to that a bit later. Uh, topic three, then we'll go on to memory bank moments. Uh, there have been many moments in the 2012-13 season. We wanted a mix of the weird and wonderful ones that have cemented in our memory going forward for many years to come. When we're old ladies in our rocking chairs, what will will remember about the 2012-13 season. Kate, I'm going to start with you. All right, some great moments uh, throughout the season. And I have to say, one that wasn't such a great moment was really the manner in which the title was won. I don't think that any team was exceptional this season. And I hope that next season we go on to see some fantastic football and a great challenge on that title as well. Starting with three of the top four managers being new managers to those clubs, I think next season is set for a fantastic season in terms of competition for the title. But let me tell you what I've got for my best moments of this season. The cup final winners. Wigan winning their first major trophy in 81 years. English football's most romantic piece of silverware, of course. They went to take the FA Cup and the Carling Cup final as well. Both teams involved in that, Bradford and Swansea. Coming back, really, those clubs from the brink of extinction to be in the Carling Cup final. You know, Swansea's its own success story within itself. Bradford, obviously, promoted to League One as well but what a fantastic final that was and well done for Swansea uh, taking that one 5-0 a very convincing win for that one Arsene Wenger one of my highlights oh, of yeah. the season has I'm been just... <laughs> is this the puffer jacket? this is puffer gate <laughs> She loves Arson's puffer. Never have I seen a man look more like a caterpillar standing on the touchline. Can I say, I saw him at the Men's Champions League final and he wasn't wearing his puffer. Well, that's a shocker. It's probably probably because it was too warm. If they did a summer version, a lighter version of that puffer, <laughs> puffer perhaps a gilet, uh, perhaps he'd be, he'd be wearing that. Um, particularly the zip on Arsene Wenger's puffer. Stole the show in many a game. There was that game around Christmas time and I can't remember which one it was, but he couldn't get the 
couldn't get the damn thing up. He couldn't get the zipper up. And he was fiddling around with it. It was a bit like the Balotelli bib incident. He just couldn't get that zipper up. And this is one of your moments of the season, Kate. <laughs> it just tickled <laughs> me to bits. It really, really did. Uh, so, yeah, the other was the puffer. Um, the U-turn on Benitez. Now, I'm still not convinced that Benitez was the right man to become interim manager at Chelsea back in November. But he did put in a great performance as manager. And as I said last week, as I alluded to, I think he got about the best that he could have got out there, got out of that team. OK, maybe not the FA Cup, but to win the Europa League and also to finish in third, I think was a fantastic amount of achievement for six months work. And of course, now he's manager of Napoli. Yeah, he's taken over at Napoli. Napoli finishing second in Syria. Should be an interesting time for them with him in charge. Um, he can be praised, of course, for how he got the best out of David Luiz and also backing Lampard enough so that Lampard did secure that contract extension and getting Torres looking slightly less of a shadow of his former self, albeit in a face mask. The tweets last week for our thank you Twitter topic of the week demonstrate just how the fans did a U-turn and uh, thanked Benitez for the hard work that he put in for the club. Well, I'm going to pitch in with my two penneths worth of uh, different memories. Um, I'm going to start with one that I think will just be the over overriding memory for a lot of people from this season who'd have thought in football we would have seen a player kick a ball boy <laughs> um, Eden Hazard the sort of debate that it sparked afterwards as well there was a bit of me that, that sympathised with Hazard at the time because he wanted to get on with the game and it was his passion to get on with the football and that's what I like but of course it's not to be advocated doing that sort of thing and it just went too far um, but made headlines around the world one of those incidents in the Premier League that just gets global airtime um, not the greatest message we wanted to put out there um, but if Eden Hazard thought that he was going to be the person that everyone would remember along came Luis Suarez and bit <laughs> <laughs> Branislav Ivanovic um, that biting incident another one not a great memory to take but it is one we will take from the season nonetheless if only Suarez would just stick to the football and all the other incidents just put behind him mm. then maybe he would have been PFA player yeah. of the year and not Gareth Bale who knows and one of my overriding memories of course will be the Champions League final being there with those tickets and getting to see the final for myself and it was just such an amazing occasion but we touched on that at the top of the podcast so that's not going to count <laughs> Um, I also wanted to touch on one of yours that you mentioned Swansea. I loved watching Swansea this season. The free-flowing football. I think they rivaled Arsenal in Arsenal's style of play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laudrup, what an inspirational managerial signing I thought he's been brilliant for the club and I'm really excited about seeing what they do next season but I'm going to stick with two other different bits um, first of all with a game I'm going to go for Manchester City 2, Manchester United 3, which for me was a game that was a turning point in the race for the title. Um, not only that, but Robin Van Persie, he hit the, the winning goal. It was a free kick. What a goal it was. And that turn in the title race, you just saw Alex's face on the touchline and you just knew, actually, this is it. This is where they're going to run away, get a few points advantage. And it was a key game, really. Um, so that was one of the mem memorable games for me. And the other thing is a couple of notable moments. Fabrice Mwamba's return to White Hart Lane eight months after he had a cardiac arrest to see him healthy, to see the applause that he had at that match. Uh, it was such a lovely, touching moment. And equally so, uh, Stylian Petrov. Every time he, they played at home, the Villa fans on the 19th minute, that applause that they gave him because he wore, wore the number 19 shirt for them. Uh, such a passionate player for the club. And if they can get someone who can fill Stylian Petrov's shoes in terms of dedication and work rate and leadership on the pitch, then Aston Villa could really be a side to contend with. And that was a viewpoint that actually was shared by Dion Dublin. I was nodding away as I spoke to him at the AFCAR event. Uh, this is what he said. Overall, it was a poor season. They uh, underachieved and uh, they weren't good enough, to be honest with you. Uh, they've done well to stay up. It just shows the manager's fight and it's shown the, the players towards the end did have enough quality to get out of a, a situation they shouldn't have been in in the first place. Um, just feel for the fans, really. They spend their money. They, they don't have anything to cheer for. It's not, the, it's not the season that's just gone, it's when I was there as well. We achieved, we achieved nothing as well, so I've put my team and my teammates within that genre as well. And they've had nothing to cheer for years, Aston Villa fans. It's about time they did. And I think um, if it's ever going to change, it's going to change under, under Paul Lambert. Do you think next season is going to be a marked improvement? Yeah, well, I hope so, because they do, have, they do have the youth in the side and the legs and the energy in order to do that. It's, whether, it's just getting that blend, you know. It's, 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 a, it's a boring thing to speak about, but... 
if the manager gets the right blend and he gets people like Stan Petrov in with that kind of mentality and that kind of desire and will to win, they've got a good chance of, of, of becoming mid-table and from mid-table the season after maybe you know, pushing towards top eight or something like that. But it's going to take time and it's not just going to happen. Dion Dublin there. A couple of quick mentions uh, for this season. A couple of amusing moments for me because I do take joy out of uh, funny little moments, as you know, Hoops. Um, I loved the moment when um, Port Vale had a 3,000 strong following um, at Wickham on the final day of the promotion campaign for them. And um, there were like dozens if not hundreds of grown men dressed as popes they had the tall hats the sort of colourful robes and the staffs or crooks whatever they are and everything else as they paid tribute uh, to Port Vale's leading scorer Tom Pope I thought that was an excellent moment and well done to all those guys for finding all those Pope outfits I'm glad that you've mentioned that because aside from that as well it's it's an aside mention for fans in general because without the fans the football season would not be what it was Mm -hmm. or what it is going forwards and yeah turnouts like that the crazy behaviour of fans and they dress up and get really behind their side uh, it all makes for the spectacle that it is I and mean, it was brilliant to see I, I enjoyed that too and as fans we do secretly enjoy a little bit of player humiliation as well don't we oh. uh, none other I, I have to mention this Peter Odenwingi travelling 120 odd miles from uh, West Brom to Loftus Road uh, in order for QPR to capture his signature can you just imagine him turning up and saying oh you know hello I'm early I've got an appointment at 5 to 11 this evening uh, do you think I can come in and, and uh, sign a few forms and for you know Val the uh, the receptionist there at QPR to come out and go I'm awfully sorry Mr Oldham Wingy but neither Mr Fernandez or Mr Redknapp has any account of you being here and for poor old Peter Oldham Wingy to sit in his car with the flash bulbs going as everyone tries to capture the picture of the evening of transfer deadline day the humiliation <laughs> in Peter Oldham Wingy's face Well, I think that's a good place to end with our memories because that has been a recurring theme on the podcast and from people we've spoken to over the course of the season. Um, We'll go on to Twitter topic of the week next. Um, This one was inspired by Jackie Oatley, um, who said she was on her way to Wembley for her favourite match of the year, the Championship Playoff Final. Um, We just made a slight amend to that because we wanted to ask what your favourite match for your team was this year. Uh, We had plenty of people get in touch. Colette Hall, first of all, on Twitter that's easy it has to be when the mighty Celtic beat Barcelona an amazing game and atmosphere that was a great game absolutely um, then Jamie saying Aston Villa 6 Sunderland 1 the night it all went right I'm sure Sunderland fans thinking the night it all went wrong um, Luke Musto either Forest 5-2 win over Derby or Forest scoring 7 against Leeds if you're a Forest fan which one would you go for I think probably the, the Derby uh, the Derby victory because it's such a, a fierce rivalry over there 5-2 uh, Paul Oldham said has to be the Manchester Derby uh, best two teams in the Premier League that was the one that I picked out as one of my favourites of the season um, Holly Allen has to be today's playoff final um, solid performance from all the guys and Palace back in the Premier League hashtag Eagles uh, I think a lot of Crystal Palace fans will be ecstatic uh, just to finish this season off uh, just a ball game said Bradford City in the Carling Cup final something that you alluded to Kevin Eight, uh, 25 minutes from the end 5-0 down and we party on what dreams are made mm. of and another one that's come in Bill Bailey who's the Great Britain handball coach you tell me Kate he certainly is and he's a Manchester United fan as well and he says United winning at City with Van Persie's free kick mm. the one that I spoke about he's even put a picture and he's put magic <laughs> uh, Frankie said it's got to be us versus Aston Villa so us is Chelsea Frank Lampard breaking Bobby Tambling's record and he's just put I was there Wait. have we got time for a couple more yeah. uh, let's do it for the final podcast of the season Roscoe 76 got in touch saying Rangers versus East Fife the first game of the season not a glamour but after the end of the previous season it was just great being at Ibrox of course that's a really good one and Ray Saville I think it was the Chelsea Aston Villa 8-0 at the bridge because I was there (laughs) fantastic everyone keeps forgetting that we should have mentioned that in our highlights of the season maybe Mm. not good for the Villa fans for the villains Um, we've got now finally a foreign correspondent roundup from three of our foreign correspondents La Liga Syria and the Russian Premier League so welcome now to Kate Michelle and Rhiannon. No, Simona, she did her Bundesliga roundup last week, um, but I can say from her that she was just ecstatic <laughs> and she's still flying high after after Bayern's win in the Champions League final. But time to catch up with everything from 
Matt or the girls? Hello. Well, the last day of the Russian season was all about getting into the Europa League and out of the relegation playoffs. Angie were already Europe banned and beaten by Kuban, who joined them there for the first time. Spartak eased past 10-man Alanya to cement fourth, and Rabin snuck in by defeating Krasnodar. Dan Petrescu's draw-loving Dinama just missed out, as did Terek. The Grozny side thrashed Krilia Sovetov 4-1 to finish a best-ever eighth and promptly sacked coach Stanislav Chichasov. Unfortunately, our team didn't qualify for the Europa League and didn't reach the Russian Cup final, said Terek honorary president and Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov. Ouch. So, Tiska and Zanit are in the Champions League. Angie, Spartak, Kuban and Rabin in the Europa League and top scorers Vanderson and Jura Mavsisian must saw the golden boot in half. Alanya and Mordovia are down, Rastov and Krilia go into the two-legged playoffs against Division 1's third and fourth best with the cup final sandwich between. So it's not all over, but for me, it is now. Dosvidanya. Juventus wrapped up the Scudetto for their second straight season, finishing nine points ahead of Napoli. Despite their success, manager Antonio Conte said his squad still needs improving, so expect some additions over the summer. Napoli welcomes Chelsea's managerial scraps as Rafa Benitez moves to Italy. Hopefully, Edison Cavani will decide to stay. He led the league with 29 goals, but is rumored to leave with Real Madrid as a possible suitor. But Cavani's father says he is not looking to depart. AC Milan wrapped up a Champions League quality qualification spot after an up-and-down season while their city rivals Inter have sacked coach Andreas Dramaccioni. Walter Mazzari will be his replacement at the San Siro. The Copa Italia went to Lazio for the sixth time. They beat Roma to make it 4-5 to five in Rome derbies. Heartbreaking for Francesco Totti, who misses out on some hardware in his 20th season with the capital club. And no Europe for them either, as Fiorentina and Udinese both earn Europa League qualifying spots. That's a wrap on Serie A. Ladies Thanks for having me. Have a great summer. Thanks to the ladies for their final foreign roundup of the season. And we'll begin there with some thank yous because as we sign off this final podcast, there's a lot of people we just want to say a quick thank you to. We'll mention, first of all, our foreign correspondents. So Rhiannon Jones, she got us that exclusive with Mourinho as well. So a big thank you to Rhiannon for doing the La Liga this season. Michelle Lissell, who did the Serie A roundups for us. Thank you to her. Uh, we also had Kate Partridge over in Russia doing a Russian Premier League roundup every month. And Simona Felsberg for wrapping up everything Bundesliga. We've really enjoyed having you on the podcast, girl, so thank you very much to you. Uh, let's not forget either Faker Others, who's done our non-league roundup. She's also filled in when people have been away and done some editing. She's a, a multi-talented girl, isn't she, Faye? She certainly is. So thank you very much to you. Kate, who else would you like to thank? I'd like to thank our editors, Sarah Grun and Heather Davis as well, who've been fantastic. Sarah, particularly uh, for the uh, beginning of the season podcast, who they've worked tirelessly uh, and helped us to to get this really quick turnaround because we only have a day or two to get the podcast edited and up so thanks to them uh, thank you to Dave Wartonby someone you might not know but he's the voice <laughs> of all our jingles and he's a very good voiceover indeed and he provided those services to us for free bless him he's also available for hire <laughs> yes he is um, and we've got to thank we've already th- uh, thanked Pitch PR but we want to thank a lot of contributors to the podcast who've come in and uh, been part of the show Faye White Eni Aluko Rachel Yankee Laura Williamson Natalie Sawyer as well she she stood in a couple of times for Hayley McQueen. I would also like to thank Zoe Uminski as well, who uh, stood in for you a couple of times, Lindsay. I want to thank all our social... God, it's, it's, it's like receiving an Oscar, this. It's brilliant. <laughs> I'd like to thank all the guys who've been working with us on social media. Uh, Alex Lever, Rich Laverty, uh, Harriet Drudge, Maz Pointer as well, and to Natasha Bogard, who's been helping us out with a bit of PR. And it's time as well, just I guess, before we, we close off, to thank Hayley McQueen, our yes. third amigo. Mm. And to thank you as well, Hoops. Oh, and you, Kate. Oh, it's a loving, it's a love fest. Um, hopefully we're hoping the podcast will return next season we've got a little bit of uh, sort of ironing out to do of what we're going to do next season we've got some pre-season training to to, uh, do of our own haven't we really yes but we're hoping we will return so keep an eye across our Twitter account it's at Offside Rule Pod you can listen via SoundCloud and you can download via iTunes it's been a pleasure hope you've enjoyed it three ladies talking about football Uh, we hope it's been entertaining we've certainly enjoyed doing it haven't we we certainly have. Bye, folks. Bye-bye. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan.